0: Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a trans podcast, meaning that it transcends all beliefs and religions. All are welcome and safe here around our fire and at our table, no matter what your faith, beliefs, or religion are or aren't. Hello, my name is Rev. Angel Wise, and I'll be your host. I am an ordained trans minister, shamanic light worker, director of the Oblate's Perpetual Light, intuitive healer, studying Kabbalist, and life coach. I firmly believe that the divine, the creator, Adonai, Hashem, the great mother, God, whatever you want to label that which is beyond labels, works through people each and every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble, many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week, we will explore the lives of these amazing beings we we'll also explore topics that can help your faith and spirituality, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to encourage, educate, inspire, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith and spirituality, no matter what it is or isn't. So, be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome everyone to our Very last show. Say what? You didn't let me finish. (laughs) The very last show of the year. (laughs) Oh my gosh! I couldn't. Can't believe you actually thought this was going to be the last show. How many of you gasp right along with the gasp and say what? It with the say what. I bet a lot of you did. No, 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 no. You can't get rid of me that easy. Not in the least. Anywho, last show of the year, 2023. So next Sunday's show, just continuing to move right along, will be 2024's first show. 2024, it's weird, just look little bit how it rolls out. So welcome, welcome, everyone. If you're new to the show, I'm so beyond happy and blessed you found us. Thank you so much. It is my deepest, hope and sincerest prayer that you find everything that you're searching for in a podcast, especially a spiritually-based podcast here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for all of your love, support for the show. And also, especially you, Denise M., who is our Patreon supporter. And if you would like to become a Patreon supporter of the show, it would be such a great blessing. What a great way to start off 2024 supporting the show. And you can do that with as little as $5 a month. There's information at the end of the show on exactly how to find our Patreon. Before I begin each show, I like to give a disclaimer just so there are no shocks or jump scares during the show. The views and opinions expressed on this show are solely, and I do mean that literally, mine, the host, and our guest. Any and all content provided are of our opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. We always recommend that you further investigate, contemplate, and meditate on everything that is shared. ISEs, individual soul experiences will vary. Warning, there will be triggers. Listening discretion is advised. Okay, so before we begin, before we begin, yeah, I wish I know. Before we begin, we just did the disclaimer, but let's do what Hero introduced to the show. Um, if you don't know who Hero is, check out season six, episode 18 hero who talked with us about spirits and the importance of the old ways and to becoming connected with not only our spirit, but the spirits around us. He is an incredible medicine person of the Diné, which is the Navajo tribe. So let us check our egos and judgment and all that isn't spirit at the door. Let's put it in the coat shack, get your ticket, and let's take some cleansing breaths. Breathe in as deep as you can. If you have a lung ailment or lung condition, please do it as comfortably as possible. Do not harm yourself, please. And as you're breathing in, exhaling nice and slow, I will give us a little bit of a Prayer to open. O great Creator, give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, and hands to put into practice what we learn today. May we always remember that we are spirits having a human experience and not just humans having an occasional spiritual experience. In doing this, may we see and feel the Spirit, in not only ourselves, but in all beings and things, instead of just the human. May we be able to see beyond that, see beyond our judgments, see beyond our ego, feel beyond it. May we love everyone and everything with the unconditional love that you, the Creator, bestow upon us. Amen. Aho, salam, and shalom. Okay, so let's kind of let's do a little bit of what Taylor Swift says in her song "Shake It Off." Let's just shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. If you haven't heard this song, check it out. It's very catchy. <laughs> but honestly, and and I mean this sincerely and deeply, let's just kind of shake things off because we already know going into this show that it's going to press buttons for a lot of people. I hope and pray with all of my heart, all of my spirit, that it doesn't. But I know there's going to be some of you that it will. But please, again, check your egos and judgments at the door. Let's openly take in today's show and reserve our judgments until not just after the show, But more so after the show and after we've investigated this on our own, as far as the validity, um, as far as if today's you're going to learn today is going to resonate with your spirit, with your with your soul. And I will give you all one huge piece of advice is that although it may not resonate with you today, it may tomorrow, it may next week, it may next month. It may six months from now. It may a year, two, three, four years down the road. It's amazing that how we evolve and ascend and change so much. Um, And because we're with ourselves 24-7, we don't see a lot of the change. We don't experience a lot of the change. We just think we're just the same person. But as I've always said, go back through the baby pictures book and look at your growing up. You know, you're not that baby that was born. You're not the child of five. You're not the teenager. You're not the high school kid. You're not the college person, if you were blessed to go to college. You're not even the person you were five minutes ago. So again, please have an open mind and an open heart to today's show. So for those of you who are new to the show and may be listening for the first time based on what the topic of today's show is, which you definitely could. It's extremely fascinating and interesting. It's one of the most interesting and fascinating things I've ever found is the lost books of the Bible. Um, I beyond, beyond uh, recommend them for everyone, literally, regardless if you're Christian or you're not Christian you will, guaranteed, you will get so much from these books. So the book we're going to be exploring today is the Gospel of Thomas. I will have, of course, as I always do, links to everything that is covered today in the show description. So the Gospel of Thomas, also known as the Coptic Gospel of Thomas. Now, longtime listeners, show of hands. Do any of you remember what the Coptic means? Are you familiar with Coptic? You should because we've done shows on Coptic saints before. And Coptic is usually those found in the area of Egypt. So, with that being said, the Gospel of Thomas is an extra-canonical sayings gospel. It was discovered near Nag Hammadi, Egypt in December of 1945, among a group of books known as the Nag Hammadi Library. Okay, so I'm giving you a little bit of a background. And to me, this is extremely important. This is something I learned from the Father Mike Cantor, is that it's very important that regardless of what Bible, what version, what holy text you're studying, that you, you personally, research where that information came from. You have to not only know where that information came from, you also have to know its historical context, because that is a big uh, drive behind what is being said in said text or said scripture or said holy book. Just like today, if you pick up a newspaper or you go online to a news source, whatever your news source is, Um, What's in the news today? It is something that pertains to what is going on in our society, in our culture, in our world today. And the very same applies to the books of the Holy Scriptures, regardless of what Holy Scriptures you are reading or hopefully studying. So again, it's important to take into the context. Who wrote these books? When were they written? Historical time period. What was going on in history at that time? Have these books come out after the fact of what they were written about? So say if it's quoting Jesus, was it written at the exact time? Say, was there a scribe there taking down these notes and released this information? In text form, right after this, Jesus gave this sermon or gave these talks? Or were they released 60, 70, 100,000 years later? That also takes in, should be taken greatly into consideration. And why? Because the person translating the text is going to do what? Either advertently, which is most time the case, or inadvertently manipulate the words to fit what was going on in what? That time, that period in history of the translator, of the person that discovered the text. So again, very important to keep these things in mind. So we have the Gospel of Thomas, which is part of the Nag Hammadi text, Nag Hammadi Library, which was found in December of 1949 in Nag Hammadi, Egypt. Scholars speculate that the works were buried in response to a letter from Bishop Athanasius declaring a strict canon of Christian scripture. I'll go one further with that. Athanasius declared that all non-canon, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what that means, is Books of the books, or excuse me, sacred books that weren't approved by the Roman Catholic government, Pope, um, what have you, council, were outlawed, literally outlawed. And it was decreed that they were to be gathered and destroyed. Yes, gathered and destroyed, not gathered and put in the papal library at the Vatican. No, no. They were to be destroyed. So these papal authorities sent out literally holy armies, or what they labeled as holy armies, to really pillage, steal, grab all these texts that could possibly get destroyed, literally libraries. Of texts that were not what the Roman Catholic Church wanted. So it is believed that this, the Gospel of Thomas, along with other texts, were hidden, so they would not be destroyed. And this was done as early as 60 AD and as late as 250 A.D. Okay. Since its discovery, many scholars have been, excuse me, has Seen it as evidence in support of the existence of a Q source, which might have been very similar in its form as a collection of sayings of Jesus without any accounts of his deeds or his life and death, referred to as a sayings gospel. The Coptic language text, the second of seven, contained in what modern-day scholars have designated as Nag Hammadi Codex II, is composed of 114 sayings attributed to Jesus. So the Gospel of Thomas is not very long. It is very deep. And the inner meanings, hidden meanings, are literally off the charts, as we will discover today. But it's only 114 verses long. Almost two-thirds of these sayings resemble those found in the canonical Gospels, and it's additio precepts, counts, more than 80% of parallels, while it is speculated that the other sayings were added from Gnostic tradition. Its place of origin may have been Syria, where Thomasine traditions were strong. Other scholars have suggested an Alexandrian origin. So, single big beam, what does this mean? Remember that after the crucifixion, death, resurrection, whatever you subscribe to of Jesus, he sent out his disciples or apostles. He scattered them. He told them to go out in twos and to, to preach, to spread his message. And Thomas was one of those. And those, what happens is when let me back it up. Each disciple perceived and understood Jesus' words and teachings in a certain way, like each of us do. Anytime we receive a teaching or we hear a teaching, each of us interprets interprets it our way based on our conditioning, based on our understanding, based on our spiritual level. And The very same applies to all of the disciples or apostles, whatever you label them. So when they went out and about and began teaching, they went all over the place. They scattered about and they began to teach people. And Thomas was exactly the same. So from the people who studied under Thomas came the Thomasine, T-H-O-M-A-S-I-N-E, traditions. The same applies to Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, Peter, and so on. You know, and, and we don't hear of these that often. Why? Because the Church, the Roman Catholic Church, seized control of the Bible and its formation, and has eliminated all personal effects to that of the disciples. Um, you know, so you don't really, you're not really getting. What, say, the disciples of Thomas observed and and learned and wrote um, from his teachings? You're getting what the church wants you to. And you guys, don't take my word for it. Don't scoff. Don't roll eyes. Don't turn off the show. Do the research. You'll find it yourself. So again, remember, let's keep going with an open mind and open heart. So why this show? Well, back in season six, we had a few listeners that wanted or pretty much demanded more shows about God, Jesus, the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. So this is in response to that. Here we are offering more information that transcends, which is all about what this show is, transcending, transcends what you normally have been taught, told, and exposed to. Show of hands, how many of you have studied or even read the Gospel of Thomas? I know very few of us, but those listening, this is your first time to the show, may have tuned in because you have studied it and you wanted to, hey, what's this goof got to say about it? So (laughs) either way, I appreciate you being here. So, my whole take and Spirit's whole take on this, because I don't do anything without Spirit's uh, you know approval and recommendation, is that we study some things from Jesus that we have never heard before or have quite heard in this context. And there's a lot, folks. There is a lot of teachings from Jesus, the Big J. That we have not been exposed to. And again, why? Because these are things the church does not want you to know. And we'll get into that as we go through these uh, teachings. So today we're going to go through the first 20 verses of the 114 verses of the Gospel of Thomas. And if you would like an additional show or shows, multi-parts, regarding the Gospel of Thomas, or even just revisiting the Gospel of Thomas and in continuing our study together, just ask. That's all you've got to do. My contact information is at the end of the show and at the end of every show. And again, if you're not Christian, please, please, please keep listening because I guarantee and promise you that there is so much that you're going to get from this show. The Jesus that is in the Gospel of Thomas is not your Jesus of the norm, this Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas is an unadulterated, unaltered um, Jesus that is beyond um, all agendas where you're actually getting, as far as I'm concerned and in, in my beliefs and feelings, as pure of a teaching from Jesus as you can possibly get. And as the article previously said, this is a group of sayings. This is a book of sayings of Jesus. He doesn't go into history or it doesn't go into history as far as his past and his crucifixion. And, um, you know, what is actually going on at the time? It is solely, solely based on his teachings and what he wants you to get from. So these are hidden sayings that the living Jesus spoke and Didymus Judas Thomas wrote down phrase number one, true meaning, or I should say saying number one, true meaning. And he said, whoever discovers the meaning of these sayings won't taste death. So we're going to break down and analyze each of these sayings as we go, because those of you longtime listeners know from hearing me previously, Many times I've said, and I will always say, do not take your sacred text, whatever that sacred text may be, literally word for word. If you do, you are missing the whole meaning behind what is being transmitted, what is being shared. So what does Jesus mean here when he says, whoever discovers the meaning of these sayings won't taste death? He's saying that whoever truly understands and feels what his words are truly saying, what his teachings are truly saying, will not die, will not taste death. You will actually transcend death. Now, does it mean that this is the elixir of immortality? No, absolutely not, because everything physical is part of a cycle. You know, we are born, we live, we pass, the, you know, physically, and we continue on. And that is the very same here. But what Jesus is referring to is that you will ascend. How will we ascend? How much will we ascend? Let's continue on. Saying number two, seek and find. Jesus said, whoever seeks shouldn't stop until they find. When they find, they'll be disturbed. When they're disturbed, they'll be amazed and reign over all. single big beam. what does that mean? So he's saying that when you truly understand and feel his teachings, you will be disturbed at first. Those of you who are listening and your egos are screaming or will be screaming that this is heretical. What we're sharing today is heretical. It has not been approved by the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, it has been denounced. It was supposed to be destroyed by a previous pope. To listen to it, to give it breath, to give it life is a sin. All of that. It's going to literally blow your mind, is what Jesus is saying. If you can truly understand and feel the meaning of his words and teachings. So at first you're going to be disturbed because it's going to be contrary to what you've been taught, contrary to what you've been conditioned, contrary to what you've been told, or what's been ordered and ruled that you listen, obey, and follow. Okay. So we have the first emotion, which is disturbed. So after we work through that, after we work through being disturbed. Next will be amazement because you're going to be like hand to the forehead saying, Al I can't believe this. Wow. This is a true aha moment. It's a true awakening moment. And that will cause your spirit. To ascend, you'll move to a higher level. You will ascend to a higher level. And eventually, as Jesus says, reign over all. Over all of what? All of those who are still stuck and clinging to and ad- adhering to what they've been told, what they've been taught, what they've been ordered to follow that they cling to and hold to like they're in the middle of an infinite ocean, like a life raft or life vest or a donut that they're hanging on to to stay afloat in the middle of a turbulent ocean. A lot of people, even some of you listening, are like that. You hold on to and you cling to your beliefs, which you label as your religion and your faith, For dear life and you will not move from one to the other. You will not let go of that life raft of that life vest of that buoy of that donut, because you have been told that if you do, you will die, not just die. You'll go to hell and die an infinite amount of horrible deaths. Folks, That is the worst lie you have been told and taught. In fact, the infinite ocean, it's turbulent, that you've been lost at sea, clinging and hanging on to that life vest. I guarantee, listen to these teachings more so, feel these teachings from Jesus Okay, folks, these are from Big J. These are from Jesus. Let go. Let go of your preconceived notions, judgments. Let go of all that you've been taught and told and begin to think, contemplate, meditate on these teachings for yourself. And you will realize that this vast infinite ocean that you thought you've been bobbing up and down and being tossed about all your life is actually a kiddie pool. You can stand up at any moment, and the water is just ankle deep. And that's exactly what Jesus is referring to here. Now, see, if you would have taken these words for simply face value, word for word, what it just logically in English means— you wouldn't have gotten that meaning, would you? That's why it's so beyond important that whatever, get this applies to any and all sacred texts that you are studying. And I mean that. You've got to study it. Don't, just don't read it. Don't just put on a book on tape and listen to it. Really, really do as we're doing here. Break each phrase down and thoroughly investigate. Study, contemplate, meditate, play this show back and do that. Do that. Saying number three, seeking within. Jesus said, if your leaders tell you, look, the kingdom is in heaven, then the birds of heaven will precede you. If they tell you it's in the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the kingdom is within you. And outside of you, when you know, well, let's let's, let's hold up right there before we continue. Let's evaluate that first phrase or first part of this saying. If your leaders tell you, he's telling you right now, people are going to tell you where the kingdom of heaven is. Haven't we all been told and taught that? We've been, you know, seen many at the pulpit preaching and slamming and, Screaming at the top of their lungs, where to look for the kingdom of heaven. So, if they said, so Jesus is saying, if they tell you, kingdom of heaven is up in the sky, it's in heaven. If that's so, then the birds of the birds, just the birds that you see, are higher than we are, right? Because they can get closer to heaven, right? Physically, right? We're talking about physically. If heaven is up in the sky, up in the clouds, outer space, whatever you've been taught, told, or lied to about. Again, people, please don't take me wrong on this. I don't mean any ill will. Again, going back to the disclaimer. I'm trying to drive, drive home the meaning here. I'm trying to drive home what Jesus is pointing to. Is that if this is true, then... The birds are higher up in God's realm than we are. Okay, then the birds are actually made after the image of God, not us, right? If this is true, if this is so, that the kingdom of heaven is up there somewhere, way, way, way up there, way out there, then the birds have a one-up, if not more than that, on us. Or if they say... Kingdom of Heaven is in the sea. The ocean, the vast infinite ocean, <laughs> getting poetic here, or Broadway-ish, the vast infinite ocean is where the kingdom of Heaven is. It's out there somewhere. It's out there. If that's so, then as Jesus says, the fish are above us. The fish are in the image of God, then, right? In the image of the Creator. In the image of the universe. Again, Hashem, Adonai, Allah, the Great Mother, Hecate, again, whatever you want to label that which is beyond labels, the source, the origin of where we all are from. Then it's the fish, right? Gotta be logically, right? Jesus says, rather, the kingdom is within you. And outside of you. Okay, so if we're reading this word for word, just for, for word's sake, we're like, oh, okay. See, he's saying it's 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 not only in me, but it's outside of me. So it is. It is up there, up there, out there. No, 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 no. That's not what he's pointing at here. What he means is that you are the kingdom. I in the kingdom, everyone, everything is the kingdom. Think about it. Meditate on it. Contemplate this. If the creator has created everything, you, me, the building that we're in right now, the home, the couch that you're sitting on, the device that you're listening to, the source of the energy that you're listening, it's about allowing us to you know, air this and listen to it. If the creator created all that, he also, or it, excuse me, it also, because we can't assign a gender, it also created heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven, as we've labeled it, as man, humans have created and labeled it. If we are part of the creator, the creator is part of us, as Jesus is saying right here, And guess what? The same thing applies to the kingdom of heaven. It's in you. It's in me. It's literally in everything. Which means we all can experience the kingdom of heaven at any given time, at any given moment. Take a moment, think back of a moment in your life where you have been so beyond excited and just literally overjoyed to the point to where you're about ready to pop or explode. That's my brothers and sisters experiencing the kingdom of heaven. That bliss, that Bliss is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so let's continue on with the second part of this saying. Jesus says, when you know yourselves, then you'll be known. And you'll realize that you're the children of the living Father. But if you don't know yourselves, then you live in poverty. And you are the poverty. Okay, so what does he mean by this? When you know yourselves and you'll be known and you'll realize that you're the children of the living father. Remember, look at this, how he is not using this in a singular way, as in child, you will be a child of the father. He's saying children, meaning this applies to everyone, not only everyone, but everything. When you know yourselves, what are we he just told us children of the living father so if you're a child what is your father to you they are your relation right you are part of them and they are part of you you share the same dna you share energy you came from them they impart your parents we'll say father and mother because they both apply here we need to drop the gender this was just used at that point in time because that was the norm of reference, Okay, which you get into further in other passages of the Gospel of Thomas where gender is um, talked about, where Jesus addresses that exactly. So to know ourselves is to know the Creator, to know the divine, to know our spirit. Then you'll be known. We will know what we truly and naturally are, which is all about what this show is, all about what this podcast is. Every show is about that. And then he says, you will realize that you're children of the living Father, not just me. That's where the child, singular, it's children. Not only me, but everyone Everyone is a child of the creator, of the divine, of the source. Again, Hecate, Allah, um, Adonai, Hashem, uh, whatever you want to label, which is beyond labels. What happens if we don't get this? Which is kind of like where a lot of us are at right now, right? He says, if you don't know yourself, what you truly and naturally Got to keep in mind that what you are is natural. It's just that we've been shadowed and covered up all of this lifetime. You know, babies and infants and even children up to the age of six or seven are just beautiful, angelic beings. I know some of you are saying, not my kid or not my grandkid. You should hear them. They are so pure of spirit until what? Until they are conditioned to be something they are not Jesus says, don't know yourselves we're all asleep, then you live in poverty, and you are the poverty so we are all very poor in spirit in life, and that affects our health too, right so our health could be poor because of our beliefs because we're not waking up to what Our spirit is. We're not waking up to what the creator is, truly and naturally. But what do we blame? We blame outside sources. We blame, uh, I can blame the media. I can blame technology. I can blame, yes, those are um, things that are not the reason But the excuse, right, those are tools that were have been used and continue to be used to keep us from waking up. Because you know what? Why has this book been banned? Because the church doesn't want you to know this information. This information is liberating. It's awakening. It's enlightening. It's ascension. It's whatever you want to label that which elevates you. You won't go to the church. Why would you go to the church for you know, guidance, if Jesus is telling you, you are it, and it is you. See how this evolves and goes? But Jesus concludes this saying by saying, you are the poverty. We are the cause of the effect. We are the reason why we are asleep. At any given moment, we can let go of that life preserver. And stand up in that kiddie pool and wake up and realize what not only we are, but everything truly and naturally is. Could you hurry up? I've got a Pilates class in an hour. (laughs) Well, you're always welcome to pause where you're at and come back later. This isn't live. Well, we are live, but this isn't live. You can listen at any time. So please, please, please. Get to your Pilates class. You be safe and get there on time and give yourself plenty of time. But I understand, folks, you've got to look at the clock. We're 40 minutes into the show, and we've only just now covered the first three sayings. This, my dear brothers and sisters, is what it means, or in part what it means, to thoroughly and really, I mean seriously, study your sacred text, to study, to contemplate. And we haven't even started the meditation on it. So once we study it, then we contemplate it, then we meditate on it, on how we can put it, these teachings, whatever teachings you're studying, whatever wisdom text you're studying, how we put it into practice. This, again, my dear brothers and sisters, is exactly how we are to do our sacred text. because. With the first three sayings here, I could have read them in less than a minute and been on my way. But what would we have gotten from it if we took it for face value? If we took it word for word as it is, we would not have gotten the true and inner meaning of what Jesus or whomever you're studying would be teaching you and that is a travesty. That is very sad. So let's press on. And if you need to go, just pause and you come back anytime you want. I highly recommend that. And I highly recommend listening to this show as many times as possible. You actually do it while you're meditating. You know, each saying, click on it, listen to it, internalize it, digest it, put it in your heart and meditate on it. So we're at saying number four, first and last. Jesus said, the older person won't hesitate to ask a little seven-day-old child about the place of life. And they'll live because many who are first will be last and they'll become one. So what Jesus is saying here is that when we enter the world, as we've talked about, that is when we are as close to pure spirit as possible. We have not been told no. We have not been taught that spirits is hogwash. We have not been conditioned and trained and brainwashed into whatever ideology, religion, dogma, you know, all this man-made stuff that just completely wipes away And pushes away spirit. But at the same time. An older person. As we get older. Most of us. We should be becoming wiser. We should be becoming more. Like that child. We should be. Ascending. Back to. More of being spirit. And being more in touch. With our spirit. So the child. And the older person have so much in common if they're on that same frequency, which is what we should strive to do. And bottom line, what both learn very quickly is that everything is one. Everything is the creator. As Jesus says, they will become one because many who are first will be last and they'll become one. We realize that's the key. That's the secret that everything is the creator. We all are one. There's no me, I, mine, you, yours. It's I know. and I know because of our humanness and the dualistic nature of our world and our human lives. This is completely mind boggling. And it makes us cling to the I, me and mine. It makes us cling to our ego even more, because a lot of people, this scares because they go too far and become nihilistic by saying, well, if I'm not me and you're not you and we all are one, then I'm nothing. That's going too far. And you have to be very, very careful with that. Next to saying number five, Jesus said, know what's in front of your face and what's hidden from you will be revealed to you. Because there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed. Again, Jesus is pointing that when you realize what is in front of your face is the creator, is one, that we all are all connected, interconnected. We are all brothers and sisters. We are all family. We are all from the same source, from the same light. Everything is revealed. All secrets fall away. All mysteries fall away. All confusion falls away. And Jesus goes on to say, nothing hidden won't be revealed. Everything will be revealed to you. Next is saying number six, public ritual. His disciples said to him, do you want us to fast and how should we pray? Should we make donations and what food should we avoid? So they're asking, what faith should we be? Should we be Jews? Should we be Gentiles? You know, is it, when should we pray? How should we pray? Should we fast? Is it okay to do that? When should we do it? Um, giving alms to the poor, making donations, should we do that? Uh, what foods can we have? Because Jews can't have pork. What what can we have? What, what should we eat? And Jesus said, don't lie. And don't do what you hate, because everything is revealed in the sight of heaven. For there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed, and nothing covered up that will stay secret. So shaking your head, you gotta say, single-baked bean, Jay, what does that mean? <laughs> what he means by that is, again, all of these are interconnected. The meanings just fold over from one the other to the other so if we understand that everything is one okay he says don't lie that's number one don't do that don't hate and that includes judging um, looking down at people Um, you know again if we see that everything is one everything is the Creator everything is God Adonai Hashem Allah Hecate the Great Mother the universe again whatever you want to label that, which is the source of everything and beyond all labels, once you understand that everything is that, your sight will be revealed and you will, as Jesus said, be in heaven. You will experience heaven. He says because there's nothing at this point, there's nothing Hidden that won't be revealed, and nothing covered up that will stay secret. Because in our humanness, in our human form, right now, as we stand or sit or listen to this show, we're very ignorant to a lot of spiritual things. We're very ignorant to a lot of, things. and I don't mean stupid by ignorant. What I mean by ignorant is that we are not educated and we are not experienced in it. So, you know, it's it's one thing to get the information, but it's a whole other thing to incorporate that wisdom into your life, to make it part of you, to awaken to your spirit. And Jesus is pointing it out right here that you don't have to worry about fasting, don't worry about what you eat, don't worry about how you pray and when you pray and uh, making donations and all that. When you Understand what you and everyone truly and naturally emphasize that. Naturally are. It's not something that you have to strive for. It's not something you have to go out and find. It's not something that you have to buy. It's something that you, me, and everyone truly and naturally are. Once we do that, everything falls into place. You will automatically and naturally... Pray when you need to pray. Fast when you need to fast. Give alms and help the poor when when it needs to be done. Next is saying number seven, the lion and the human. Jesus said, blessed is the lion that's eaten by a human and then becomes human. But how awful for the human who is eaten by a lion And the lion becomes a human. So Jesus is pointing here to the importance of ascending, to the importance of us not hanging on and clinging to that life raft, that life preserver of the I, me, and mine, and this is my belief, and this is my religion, and if if you're not like me, and you're not following my Jesus, and my God, and my church, and my religion, and my philosophy, then you're going to hell. This is what he's talking about is the lion. That the lion is not becoming a human. The lion is being eaten. Eaten. You're descending. You're not evolving. You're not ascending. You're not progressing. Again, don't worry about being perfect. None of us are perfect. We're not here to be perfect. We're here to progress. So Jesus is saying, That in reference to the lion, that when you awaken, the lion awakens, it becomes human. It's actually eaten by the human and becomes the human. Meaning is when you awaken to what you truly and naturally are, and everybody truly and naturally is, you are eaten by spirit. Not literally. (laughs) You are eaten by spirit and you become spirit. I mean, we already are. We just have to wake up to it. So again, Jesus is pointing out here the importance of us to not be complacent in this life, to not fight, cling, and shackle ourselves to one set of beliefs, to one set of dogma or philosophy or theology or anything like that. Because if we do, we are going contrary to what we are supposed to be here for, which is to ascend, to progress. Next is saying number eight, the parable of the fish. He said, Jesus, the human being is like a wise fisher who cast a net into the sea and drew it up from the sea, full of little fish. Among them, the wise fisher found a fine, large fish and cast all the little fish back down into the sea easily choosing the large fish. Anyone who has ears to hear should hear. Jesus is saying that we all are searching. We're all on a journey to find the, air quotes, the right path, the right way, the right religion, the right this. And we throw our nets out. And there's so many little fish that come in. And it's very easy for us to grab the first one whether that be you know the, the Islamic way or the Christian way or the Catholic way, which is also Christian, um, the Buddhist way, the Hindu way, and you grab that first fish and you stick with that. In the process, you're missing the big fish in it, in the middle. So you can find the big fish, which could be the faith that you are right now. Okay, say you are of a nature faith, and but you are very strict in a nature faith as to you're not going to move one way or the other. Okay, so that's your big fish. So you throw all the other fish back into the sea so they can mature, grow. So you when you throw your cast your net back out in the future, as you study. As you evolve, as you grow, as you ascend, you will find another big fish. And you're supposed to move on. You are supposed to progress. Those of you who are longtime listeners to the show have heard my journey, have heard my progression over the past, what, two and some months, two years and some months that we've had this show. I've really evolved and grown and I mean I know a lot of times it's hard for people to keep up with me because I move so fast and that's just because I'm not attached I'm not clinging to I'm not hanging on to dear life and literally squeezing the life out of every belief and dogma and uh, philosophy and theology that I come into contact with I catch the fish. I throw the little fish back. I take the big fish and that sustains me as I continue to grow and evolve. And when I need another fish, I throw the net back out and I see what I can come up with. And that's how we all should be. Not saying that I'm perfect. uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Far from that. Again, I'm the poo, the poo at the bottom of the fish tank. But I'm just saying, it's, it's trying to give an example here of how we should be. Don't grab a hold of a faith or a thought or a philosophy or a way of life that you just cling to for dear life and believe this is it in the only way. Next is saying number nine, and this one should sound a bit familiar because it's actually in the Bible itself. Okay? Hang on, folks, because this this is one that's going to blow your mind, all right? Saying number nine. The parable of the sower... Sounds familiar. Jesus said, look, a sower went out, took a handful of seeds and scattered them. Some fell on the roadside. The birds came and gathered them. Others fell on the rock. They didn't take root in the soil and ears of grain didn't rise toward heaven. Yet others fell on thorns. They choked the seeds and worms ate them. Finally, others fell on the ground, excuse me, on the good soil. It produced fruit up toward heaven, some sixty times as much in some a hundred and twenty. Sound familiar? Matthew thirteen, three through nine. Okay. So we have a bit of a dilemma here. Where did this come from? Who said it first? Was it the gospel of Thomas? Or was it the Gospel of Matthew? I know a lot of you are raising your Bibles right now and say, It's Matthew. Matthew said it first. Nope. It was Thomas. This book was written in 60 CE. Or AD, however you want to look at it. Matthew was written in 85 AD or CE, what, some 25 years after? And it's actually, you can Google it, this parable Matthew took from what we are studying right here, right now today, folks. Matthew took this from the Gospel of Thomas and put it in his Gospel. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but to those who are reading their Gospels, their sacred text, word for word, and taking them meaning by meaning, literally upon the word and upon the source, then you're being misguided, because now you believe that this is from Matthew, and Matthew was right there with Jesus, and this was written down right then and there. Oh, this was 85 CE. So what? 85 years after the passing of Christ? Well, no, he passed away in what? 35 CE? 35 AD? So, this is not at the same time as Jesus. This is after. After Jesus. See, brothers and sisters, this is something you learn as you start really diving deep into your sacred text. And I Beyond recommended. I mean, it is such a great study. It's a mind-blowing study and mind-melting study, but that's good because that's what all of this is meant to be. These are sacred wisdom texts that are supposed to illuminate, awaken, and cause your spirit to awaken and ascend. They're not just stories, fables, and myths that you can put to memory and use as a sword or a weapon against somebody that's not of said faith, culture, or belief. So, I mean, this is a parable that, or a saying that we're all, or should be all of us Christians or all those who are Christians should be familiar with, you know, Jesus is saying that, you know, the sower went out, took a handful of seeds and scattered them. Some fell on the roadside. The birds came and gathered them, which I, I love that because the, Birds have actually taken these seeds and they fly up in the sky and they poop them out. And that causes the seeds to be fertilized and they take root and they grow. And he says some fell on the roadside, birds ate them, others fell on the rocks, which there's no good soil there, so they don't mature. Do these words fall on rocks with you? Is your mind allowing your heart to hear these teachings and understand and more so feel the true meanings or are these teachings just falling on the rocks and you're like mm mm nope nope not my jesus nope this ain't what he said nope don't believe it nope this ain't it this ain't it uh uh-uh. uh no way see you're being a rock you're not being the fertile soil what happens when you're the rock seeds like these Teachings, these wisdom, these sacred teachings, don't ripen in your heart because you're not allowing them to get there. You're not allowing them to that fertile soil. And he goes, yet others fell on on thorns, and they were choked by seeds, and worms ate them. By again saying, "Uh-uh, nope, not my Jesus. Nope, this is this is heretical. This is no." Okay, this is heretical, but This you can look up Matthew, again, Matthew 13, 3 through 9, and it says the very same thing. It's okay when it's in Matthew, but it's not okay when it's in the Gospel of Thomas. Why? Because you have not understood it this way. You have not awakened to what Jesus is truly saying and pointing to. So the worms of your hate, the thorns of your hate and stubbornness are not allowing these words of wisdom, these words of awakening, these sacred messages to awaken your spirit and for you to awaken and see that everybody and everything is the creator, you, me, everything, if you're sitting in a chair, the chair, the desk, the you know, the floor, the carpet, the walls, the house that you're in, the car that you're in, it's all it's all sacred. It's all part of the same source. Even the person in front of you that you can't stand is from the source. And there's nothing wrong with you can't stand them. As long as you're not attacking somebody, you can disagree. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing with somebody. But to do it in the most loving way possible. Again, that's not converting somebody. That's not twisting them around by saying, pointing at them, saying, their way is not the right way. Folks, there is no right way and there is no wrong way. All ways are the way. You know, if you want to use the Christian term, again, not picking on the Christian, but this is just relevant since we're, we're talking about things said Christian, So to speak is that Jesus, God, the creator, is the vine, and we are the branches. Everyone is the branch connected to the same vine, connected to the same tree. The tree of life is a perfect example, very perfect example. Next is saying number 10, Jesus and fire. Jesus said, I've cast fire on the world, and look, I'm watching over it until it blazes. No, 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 everybody's saying, wait a minute, here we go, the end of days, this is the book of Revelation, he's talking about the end of the world, he's going to set it on fire. No, he's setting the world on fire with his teachings. If, if you can get them and understand them, it will burn away. All of the gook and negativity and brainwashing and just garbage conditioning that we've all been, again, it's nobody's fault. Everybody is subjected to this. Unless you are born and raised, as I said in the episode with Hero, unless you're born and raised in like an indigenous culture and family where you are nurtured and loved and spirits in in, in a way that you love all beings regardless. So Jesus continues by saying, look, I'm watching over it until it blazes. He's rooting for you. He's rooting for me. He's rooting for all of us, regardless of what flag, banner, or label that we fly under that is our said faith. That is our said religion. Next is saying number 11. Those who are living won't die. Jesus said, This heaven will disappear, and the one above it will disappear too. Those who are dead aren't alive, and those who are living won't die. In the days when you ate what was dead, you made it alive. When you're in the light, what will you do? On the day when you were one, You became divided. But when you became divided, or excuse me, become divided, what will you do? So let's unpack this. This heaven will disappear, and the one above it will disappear too. What is he referring to there? What is your understanding, or better yet, what is your belief of what heaven is? I know a lot of the nature faiths don't have a belief, a firm set belief in what heaven is, it's very open. A lot of people believe that it's heaven on earth. Jesus is saying that regardless of what your view and belief is about heaven or the heaven above that heaven, those will pass. How? Why? Don't get upset. When you awaken and realize what we all truly and naturally are, your views, your opinions, your beliefs of what heaven is will change. You will realize that wherever you go, there you are. Wherever everyone goes, there the creator is. Wherever we are, that is heaven. It's always there. And you're like, well, no, 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 angel, that can't be. You know, I, I'm sick. I'm suffering. I've got cancer, a terminal cancer. Yes, that's human, and that's going to pass away. But what you truly are, your spirit, is not going to pass. That's everlasting, ever living. It is eternal. It will never die. And I know that's very difficult for us to understand, especially when we're suffering. Or a loved one is suffering. Or a friend is suffering. It's very, very difficult to see things that way. Those of the Zen faith get ridiculed and criticized a lot. Because they are, a lot of them are very awake to what things naturally and truly are. And they don't get upset at funerals or when someone passes. In fact, they celebrate the person because that person is no longer shackled. That spirit is no longer chained or shackled or enslaved or encased in that human form. You know, we offer praise and we offer offerings and prayers to that person's spirit that they learned what they needed to learn in this form so they could ascend and go to a higher place, to a higher existence. And if they didn't, then we pray that the next existence, the next birth, again, whatever you believe, even if you're in heaven, if you believe there's a, an eternal heaven and there's no reincarnation, there's a lot to learn on the other side, folks, a lot to learn. There are so many schools And the angels have so many schools on the other side for so many things for us to learn after we pass from this lifetime. But this human life is the best way and the fastest way to learn what we need to learn. So it continues. Those who are dead aren't alive. Well, we're not. If you are a stick in the mud and you are k- clinging and grasping and clawing at, you know, this is my faith, me, me, mine, I, all this stuff, that's, that's not truly living. That's not truly what you are here to be and not truly how we should be and see others if we're being judgmental and, and uh, argumentative and, you know, my way or no way is, is not the way. Continues by saying, in the days when you ate what was dead, you made it alive. See, when we awaken, awaken, we become more and more alive. And when you're in the light, what will you do, he asked. On the day when you were one, you became divided. Before we became humans, when our spirits descended into this form, before then we were one. But when we took birth, and then, of course, conditioning and growing up and, you know, the world and culture and media and society, it it made us divided. We were all divided, everybody against everybody. He said, but when you become divided, what will you do? He's asking us, will you wake up? This is your opportunity right here, right now. But don't be upset if you don't get it because this moment, in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, as you watch the second hand on the clock tick, that's another moment. That's another opportunity to wake up. Okay, so if you're not already seated, still seated, please seat yourself and and hang on to your hats because here's another one. Saying number 12, James the Just. The disciples said to Jesus, we know you're going to leave us. Who will lead us then? Jesus said to them, wherever you are, you'll go to James the just, for whom heaven and earth came into being. It's got to be weird for a lot of you because isn't this derogatory, contradictory? What about Peter? Upon this rock I will build my church? No, that's misinformation. So who is James the just? James is the brother of Jesus. And these are the people, are his disciples, are supposed to follow James after his passing. So how did we get from James, following James, as Jesus originally wanted us to do, to everything founded on Peter? Well, again, you have to keep in mind that when the disciples went out and about after Jesus passed, where did Peter go? It is said that Peter went to, anyone? Rome. Who was in control at that time? Who was responsible, ultimately responsible, for the crucifixion and death of Jesus? Rome. So wouldn't it be in Rome's interest to put all their money on Peter and boost him as the father of the church? You see, folks, in May of 325 AD, the first council of Nicaea met, meant, excuse me, Emperor, Emperor Constantine, excuse me, sent out 1,800 100 invitations to bishops in the Roman empire okay which was very big at that time in 325 and with those invitations to those bishops he also sent lavish very lavish gifts to kind of persuade them to attend the majority of them took the gifts but didn't show up there's two different versions of how many people actually showed up to the Council of Nicaea. One of the council members counted 250 members. The other counted 318. Still, if you take in consideration that 1,800 invitations were given out by the emperor of Rome, and only 250 to 318 bishops showed up, that's very weak. But Council of Nicaea, if you haven't studied it, you've got to study it was far from weak. A lot of things changed. A lot of books were taken out of the Bible or added to the Bible. Or, you know, we have the Nicene Creed, the creed that the Roman Catholics and even Protestants recite was from the first council of Nicaea. And along with that, that's when Rome took control and power over Christianity. Why? Because prior to that, there was a huge persecution. I mean, we're talking maybe only 20 to 30 years prior to this council of Nicaea. People who were Christian were persecuted. They were killed. It was illegal to be a Christian. What changed? Constantine. Constantine became a Catholic, became a Christian, and ruled that it became the faith of the government. So, you can't say James, because James had nothing to do with Rome. That wouldn't give them the power over the people, right? What did? Poor Peter's gone. He's, he's done past and gone in 325. But they used him and still do today to say that he is the rock that the church is founded on. That old St. Peter. Again, nothing derogatory to Peter. It's not his fault. But he was not. Jesus did not mean for everything to be based on Peter. He wanted it based on his brother, James. And again, folks, don't take my word for anything. And please don't be upset with me. Do the research. Check it out yourself. There is an incredible book. If you're Christian, you should have this book in your library if you don't already. And I have Father Mike Cantor to thank and bless in gratitude for this because this is one of the books he had me studying in seminary. It's called Church History in Plain Language, and it's written by Bruce L. Shelley. It's an amazing book that takes you across time and shows you how the church began, grew, evolved, changed, and so on up to this very day. I beyond recommend this book. It's a very quick and easy read. Um, Mr. Shelley does an amazing job at putting this into, as it says, plain language. There's no um, academic language or um, collegiate terms used. It's very plain, simple, straightforward, and it's put into a, a, a style and way that it's very easy to read, very easy to contemplate. Very easy to meditate on and understand and grow and awaken from. So please go out and get that book if you haven't already. I will have a link in the show notes for you. Next is saying 13, Thomas's confession. Jesus said to his disciples, if you were to compare me to someone, who would you say I'm like? Simon Peter said to him, you're like a just angel. Matthew said to him, you're like a wise philosopher. Thomas said to him, teacher. I'm completely unable to say whom you're like. Jesus said, I'm not your teacher because you're drunk. You've become intoxicated by the bubbling spring I've measured out. He took him aside and told him three things. Thomas returned to his companions. They asked, what did Jesus say to you? Thomas said to them, if I tell you, One of the things he said to me, you'll pick up stones and cast them at me and fire will come out of those stones and burn you up. So what in the world does that mean? Again, if you take it for face value, it's, you know, pretty much standard biblical stuff, right? It's pretty much everything, hellfire brimstone kind of thing. And, and, you know, stone this person and, you know, these parables that, okay, I get it. I don't get it. Who cares? Move on. Turn the page. Next next saying, please. No, we've got to break this down. So these three disciples respond to Jesus' question. All of them are incorrect. Every one of them are wrong. And Thomas is like, I, I don't, I, I honestly, I can't say. And Jesus singles Thomas out by saying, and not picking on him in any way, shape, or form, because he actually pulls him to the side and awakens him gives him a whisper in the ear, three things that awaken him. We all are so deluded, as Jesus said, we're drunk, we're intoxicated by the bubbling spring. You know, whether that be our glorification of Jesus, our our misinterpretation of the sacred scriptures and texts, Our misunderstanding of religion, our misbeliefs, how we hold these people close and push these other people away, that we don't have the unconditional love of the Spirit. We don't have the unconditional love of the Creator. We don't have the unconditional love of Jesus. I know that's darn near impossible being human, right? Because we're not perfect. But we can see this and we can make strides to awaken and start changing. Stop being judgmental. Stop, you know, just putting everything, a, a label in a box. And I know as humans, we have to do that to an extent, especially to communicate with each other. But use those terms and labels loosely. Don't cling to them. Don't be upset if someone doesn't understand your label or agree with your label, or your terminology, or your language. We all communicate, and everything resonates with all of us differently. So what was it that Jesus told him? We don't know. But it was something so great that Thomas told them, because, of course, the guys were like, hey, what did he say? And Thomas said, if I tell you, you're, you're going you're to kill me. You will literally kill me. So whatever Jesus told him was so very contrary to what they believed, what they clung to. So Simon Peter said, you're like an angel. Nope. Matthew said, you're a wise philosopher. Nope. Whatever Jesus told Thomas, it was beyond all those things, and it would have upset the disciples so much that they would have killed Thomas on the spot. And the stones that they would have thrown at him, which was the way of the kill people back then, it was a natural way, (laughs) I guess if you call it natural. Rocks were all around, so you just pick up stone people. After they would have stoned Thomas, those stones would have turned into fire, and consumed each and every one of them that threw them. That's how powerful that message was. That's how powerful awakening is, is that if we go and I say to someone that's a devout Christian, you're doing it wrong, or there's another way, what are they going to do to me? What have some of our listeners said? I'm really worried about you. I hope you still believe in Jesus. Do you believe in God and Jesus? Are you you still reading the Bible, study the Bible? Why? Why are you asking me this? Why are you concerned? You're concerned for my soul, for my spirit? What is Jesus saying here? What is he pointing out? If I were to tell you all what spirit has told me, what spirit has shown me. And again, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. This is not something that's unique and special for me. It's for everyone, literally everyone. And I always say, and I always will say, if you are interested in waking up, seriously, genuinely interested in waking up and getting the shackles off of you and growing and evolving and ascending into what you are truly and naturally are, if you want help, I'm always extending my hand to all of you. All you have to do is take it. But so many people don't because they don't believe it. They will pick up the closest rock. They will club that baby seal as much as they can because it does not agree with their beliefs, with their philosophy, with their dogma, with their theology. It doesn't agree with their conditioning. But Thomas got it. Thomas got what Jesus was telling him, and it literally blew his mind. It transformed him on the spot. But he couldn't share that with the other disciples because they weren't ready for it. They would have taken it in a completely negative way, even though Jesus was standing right there and they saw him talk to Thomas and tell Thomas this. They witnessed this they would have still attacked him and killed him. Next is saying number 14, public ministry. Jesus said to them, If you fast, you'll bring guilt upon yourselves. And if you pray, you'll be condemned. And if you make donations, you'll harm your spirits. If they welcome you when you enter any land and go around in the countryside, heal those who are sick among them, and eat whatever they give you, because it's not what goes into your mouth that will defile you. What comes out of your mouth is what will defile you. So Jesus is pointing out, and I know, I put your rocks down, <laughs> please. <laughs> Tie your hands to the side of your chairs, please, folks, until after the show is over and I can get out of town. <laughs> Jesus is saying, don't worry about fasting. Don't worry about, you know, Fasting and not doing what you're supposed to be doing and helping those who need help and seeing things the way they are meant to be seen and realizing that everything is one. Everything is the creator. Everything is the heavenly father. Again, whatever you want to label that is fasting without realizing that can bring guilt. It should bring guilt because you're just being a hypocrite. You're doing something. Again, praying. Again, nothing against praying. But those who are constantly judging and condemning others, you know, you're not doing it my way. You're not doing it the way. You're not doing it, you know, our way or whatever way or you're doing it wrong or you're, you know, it just goes on and on and on. Your prayers are condemned is what Jesus is saying. Your prayers are nothing unless you wake up to what you and everyone Truly and naturally are again, donations, helping the poor, so many people do this, and that's great, but they always do it with a with an ulterior motive. they always do it out of ego, or a lot, most do, not everyone. There are ways it's in Buddhism it, you are condemned if you give something to someone and put your name on it by saying, "Look at me." I give this to you. Donations in Buddhism are done out of being anonymous because they believe, they firmly believe that if you give something just for the sake of giving for yourself to make yourself look good, that's a sin that creates negative karma. Jesus is saying the exact same thing here that if you give and you say, Oh, well look at me, I gave to the cancer society. Oh, I gave the St. Jude and look, oh, I back in the day, people used to give to the Jerry Lewis telethon. Why? To see their name at the bottom of the screen. You know, Joe Julio gave five dollars. Hey, look, everybody, my name's on the TV. What is that? What does Jesus say about that? That harms your spirit. A sin, negative karma. So what's he saying we should do? He says, if you go out, do what you do, be you, love everyone unconditionally. People will welcome you. Any land you go, everywhere you go, any countryside, heal the sick, help those genuinely just to help. Don't have to label, well, are you Christian? Do you go to my church? Hey, have you heard about this church? You know, Quick to whip out those business cards with your church information on it. Here, Jesus loves you, brother. Jesus loves you, sister. Come to come to church on Sunday. Come to mass on Sunday. And, and you'll be healed. No, no. Jesus did not do things under conditions. So why do we? And he's saying don't do that. If someone gives you something to eat, accept it. Be gracious. Give gratitude and thanks to them. And eat. Whatever it is, what you eat, if it's pork and you're Jewish, it will not defile you. I know a lot of Jewish people are saying, hey, oy vey, no, no. I know it's against your faith, but Jesus here is saying, no, whatever they give you will not defile you. If you accept it with an open heart, open mind and love, but what will defile you is what? The words that come out of our mouth, what comes out of our mouth will defile us you know, it takes us forever and a day to build up a good reputation, even more than forever and a day for a great reputation. But how many of us have seen, especially with cancel culture, if we say one thing that is interpreted to be wrong or offensive or upsets someone, that person's entire image Livelihood is gone in a split second. What took them a lifetime to build is gone in a second. The same applies to us for what comes out of our mouth. How many of us do us stop and think for a minute when you say something, the weight that it carries? Hero was talking about that. How the one spirit was talking about the biggest and the absolute worst weapon for humans to have is the tongue and that the tongue is shaped like an arrowhead, and that it can cut, it can destroy, it can kill. How many people have said something to someone, and then that person goes off and commits suicide? You've taken a life. How many of us say things to people without even thinking, and we hurt their feelings? I mean, we can't help everybody's feelings, but we need to stop and think before we speak, because we can destroy very easily. Next is saying number 15, worship. Jesus said, when you see the one who wasn't born of a woman, fall down on your face and worship that person. That's your father. Now remember, Jesus was born of a woman. So he's telling his disciples, don't worship me. Worship the father. Worship the creator. Worship that which is him. You, the disciples, me, everything, and everyone. And that's difficult because so many of us, and no, no fault of our own because we've been taught this, have. our faiths have deified Jesus. They have made him a deity. They've even got scriptures, and I'm sure you all are quoting them at me right now how Jesus the son of God is God in another form but remember there's also scriptures that say that we all are children of God so if Jesus is the son of God then I am the son of God you are the son of God you are the daughter of God and so on and so forth everything is and i know a lot of people will say that's blasphemy that's heretical That's, you know, don't you be dissing on my Jesus. Don't you talk negative about my, I'm not talking negative about Jesus. I'm bringing to your attention exactly what Jesus himself is saying here. To not deify him. He did not come down here for us to put him on a pedestal and worship. He came here for us to understand his teachings and to live, change, grow, evolve, ascend, from his teachings. Next is saying number 16, not peace, but war. Jesus said, maybe people think that I've come to cast peace on the world and they don't know that I've come to cast divisions on the earth, fire, sword, and war. Where there are five in a house, there'll be three against two and two against three, father against son and son against father. They'll stand up And be one. So Jesus is saying, look, people are going to misinterpret what I say. There's going to be brother against brother and mother against son and father against child and daughter and so on. There's going to be fires. There's going to be swords. There's going to be war. The Christian faith is the bloodiest faith ever. And that's not being derogatory to Christians at all. You all are not personally responsible for that. Again, look at history. Get that book that I recommended about church history in plain English or plain language. Excuse me. It's all in there. There have been more lives taken on behalf of Christianity, the Crusades, the Inquisition. I mean, literally, there's been genocide. People have been completely wiped out, completely wiped off the face of the earth. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, folks, for the noise from the mic. I'm sure it was driving people crazy. I'm so animated when I talk, especially about spirit stuff, is that I, I tend to move about quite a bit. <laughs> so the mic was actually rubbing against my shirt. I profusely apologize for the disturbance. But as we were saying, um, you know, the Christian, the Roman Catholic Church or the church wiped out a lot of people. Kafars were one of them. Uh, The Waldensians were another. The Cathars are said to be descendants of the followers of Mary Magdalene. And we did a show on Mary. That was in Season 3, Episode 12, St. Mary Magdalene, Not the Woman We Were Taught She Was. Check that out if you haven't already. And there's also a Gospel of Mary that is written by Mary Magdalene, or Mary Magdalene, however you want to uh, pronounce the name, which we will do in a future show, future episode when I, I want to let you guys kind of <laughs> digest this first. Um, and, and wait till all the rocks are thrown and things calm down and I can heal <laughs> from being stoned or bludgeoned or, or whatever before we move on to that. Uh, but the cathars they they went in, they um, gave the Cathars the opportunity to renounce their faith, which they were Catholic, to renounce their faith and embrace the Roman Catholic faith, and um, they said no, they refused. So they were all killed, they were exterminated. It was genocide. And then what happened? The Roman Catholic Church took the holy scriptures that the Cathars held to them, held to their beliefs as what they their prayers and their rituals. They took what they wanted and they burned the rest. And there's actually original manuscripts in sacred text in or at, I should say, the Vatican in their museum hidden away. Uh, again, not pointing out or being derogatory, folks. This is just history. And anyone, any of you can Google this at any given time and study it yourself. You can also get books. Go to the library. There's tons of books on these things. Next is saying numbers. Oh, wait a minute. So Jesus said at the end there, he said, they'll stand up and be one. So father against son, son against blah, 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 blah. And they'll stand. in the end, once we all wake up to what we all truly and naturally are, we'll finally stand as one. But we've got to wake up to that first. Until then, there's going to be division. There's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be. Fire, sword, and war, which sadly we see so much today. Next is saying 17, divine gift. Jesus said, I'll give you what no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, no hand has ever touched, and no human mind has ever thought. You know, you're waiting for that, right? <laughs> no, he means literally When you awaken to what his teachings are truly saying, what they are truly pointing at and to, when you can see them for exactly what they are, hear them for what they really are, and touch them for what they truly are, that's when your mind will just completely grow and evolve and you will be your mind will go to a thought that it's never, ever had before. you will transcend, you will awaken, you will progress, you will ascend. saying number eighteen: beginning and end. The disciples said to Jesus, "Tell us about our end. How will it come?" Jesus said, "Have you discovered the beginning so that you can look for the end? Because the end will be where the beginning is. Blessed is the one who will stand up in the beginning. They'll know the end. It won't taste death. And this is is one of the things I love so much about Jesus' teachings is each saying, each teaching builds on the previous. This goes back to what he said about giving you an eye that you've never seen or an ear that's never heard or a hand that's ever touched or a human mind that hasn't even thought of this. This reminds me so much of the Heart Sutra, this, you know, once you've discovered the beginning so that you can look for the end. See, if you don't know what the beginning is, then how do you know what the end is? If you know what the beginning is, then you know what the end is. What he's saying is that what we truly and naturally are, what everyone truly and naturally is, transcends this humanness. We are not the eye. We are not the ear. We are not the nose. We are not the mouth. We are not the sense of touch. We're not our senses. We're not our heartbeat. We're not. Yes, that helps us. That's the vehicle by which we, our spirits, navigate and ascend and explore and learn in this lifetime. But what were you? Again, here's here's a Zen koan. Another Buddhist saying is, what was your face before you were born? There was no face or was there all faces? See, there's so many ways that you can look at that, that, you know, I am you. You are me. We are all one. Um, it's just it's totally mind blowing. And that's exactly what it's meant to be. It's meant all of this, folks, is meant with one intent and purpose, and that is to wake you up to what everything is truly and naturally is. You are of the creator. I am of the creator. The creator is in all of us. We all are one. We are all one family. And Jesus continues by saying, once you realize that there is no beginning, what you truly are, spirit, has no beginning. And that means what? There is no end. And when you realize there is no end, there's no what? No death. You can, what has not been born, another Buddha saying, what has not been born cannot die. This humanness, yes, has been born, and it will pass, as all things and cycles do. But our spirit, that which is eternal, will not pass. So why fear death? We've done it infinite times. If you don't believe in that, in reincarnation, then as I've said, using the example, you're not the child. You're not the baby. If you're not that baby, where's that baby? That baby's passed. You're not the five-year-old. That that five-year-old's passed. You're not the teenager. Teenager's passed. You're not the person who was out getting their driver's Test and license at the age of 16 if you did that. That person's past. You're not the person in college that graduated from college. That person's past. You're not the person you were yesterday. That person's past. You're not the person from five minutes ago or even just a second ago. You're constantly evolving, growing, changing. That person's past. So why do we get so obsessed with death and so fearful of it? It's because of how we're programmed. It's because of our conditioning. It's because of our culture. You know, again, as I said, if you're not blessed enough to be raised and born in an indigenous culture that embraces death and teaches you what it really is, then we fear it. We fear it. Why? Because that's the end of this ego. That's the end of the I, me, and mine. How can I take all my toys with me? You can't. The only thing you can take with you is what you came in with and that is your spirit. And that's something to be so happy about. It's such a great blessing, which again, folks, brothers and sisters, is why I keep banging the drum of the importance of understanding, learning, growing, evolving, ascending, becoming more in touch with your spirit, at least finding a balance between your spirit and your humanity. Find that balance. The more you do this, the less you'll be afraid of not just death, but everything, because you know that you transcend what you truly and naturally are and what everybody truly and naturally is transcends this relative human, I, me, and mine, what I see, touch, taste, feel existence. What we are is ultimate. What we are is eternal. Next is saying number 19, five trees in paradise. Jesus said, blessed is the one who came into being before coming into being. If you become my disciples and listen to my message, these stories will become your servants because there are five trees in paradise which don't change in summer or winter and their leaves don't fall. Whoever knows them Won't taste death. So Jesus is saying if you wake up and you really see, really hear, and really touch what he's saying, what he's teaching, what he's pointing to, you will awaken those beliefs, excuse me, not beliefs, those teachings, those sacred words that he's given us Changes everything, literally changes everything. It wakes us up to what? Again, I hate to keep saying it like a broken record, but what we all truly and naturally are. Use his words, not as weapons, but as a servant to help you ascend, study, meditate, contemplate everything, all of your sacred texts. Like we're doing here again, we could have flew through these 20 sayings in 15 minutes or less. But yet I haven't even checked the counter on the time. I know we're running long, but I hope and pray that you all can see why and see and more so feel the importance of doing this. What we're doing here right now together. So what are the five trees of paradise? He doesn't allude to that, does he? But don't we have five senses? Hmm. Remember, everything he says piggybacks on what he said previously. It builds on what he said previously. Remember, he's referring to our senses before, our eyes, our ears, our sense of touch, or even our mind. So is he not saying the same thing here? At the five trees of paradise. Again, the five trees of awakening. That once each of your senses wakes up to what truly and naturally is, doesn't matter summer or winter, their leaves don't fall. Whoever knows them won't taste death. You will not die. Of course, again, the physical, yes. But what you truly are will not die. And last but certainly not least, folks, Parable of the mustard seed. Ooh, does that sound familiar? I know, I know, I know. Some some people are already blowing the biblical whistle saying, ah, 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 ah waving the Bible at me. Yes. Where have you heard that before? Matthew 13, 21 through 31. The parable of the mustard seed. And again, where did Matthew get it? From the Gospel of Thomas. The disciples asked Jesus, tell us what can the kingdom of heaven be compared to? He said to them, can be compared to a mustard seed, though it's the smallest of all the seeds. When it falls on tilled soil, it makes a plant so large that it shelters the birds of heaven. Again, the mustard seed is the teachings, the sacred teachings of Jesus. He's giving us these seeds always giving us these seeds, not to be idolized or or worship. Remember, he says, make them your servants. Make them your servant. Don't make them divine. Make them work for you. They were said and taught with the intent and purpose only to wake you up to what he realized he was. He realized what every one of us and everything is. So these seeds that he has given us today and always, we can access this at any time, any day. We all have smartphones. We can access this. Matter of fact, these Gnostic Gospels have a great link to the website where I got this from. They're all free, absolutely free. It's public domain. You don't have to pay nothing for it. You can pull it up on your phone, study it, meditate on it, contemplate it anytime you want. So Jesus is saying these teachings are very small. And I think we've talked about that. We've we've actually proven that. Again, as I said, I could have ran through these 20 sayings in in less than 15 minutes. I know some of you probably wish I did. But what happens when we take these seeds, we take them gently, we tend to them, we care for them, we plant them in, in rich soil, fertile soil, and we tend to them, what happens? They grow, they blossom, they bloom. They literally take you to heaven. They take us all. They make us all ascend. Jack and the beanstalk, hang on to it because it's going to take you right up and out. The same, very much same applies here. So he says, When it falls on the tilled soil, it makes a plant so large that it shelters the birds of heaven. He's actually saying that if we follow his teachings, truly follow his teachings and ascend, we will be higher than the highest of heavens. Not me saying it, folks. That's him. So, folks, okay, I will shut up here (laughs) for now. But this is what I was referring to um, in the November Book Nook when I said, be careful what you ask for. Because if you ask me to teach about Jesus, to teach about God, to teach about the Bible, you're going to get what I have studied and awakened to and, and all of that. And I guarantee, show of hands, before this show started, is this what you thought? It would be no, absolutely not. You thought that what I was going to share would fit into that nice little box that you have created. And I can only hope and pray that that box is no more at that box. The sides have split and blown open. What I have given you, what I've shared with you from Jesus, from the gospel of Thomas, has literally blown your box to bits and awaken you to the very core of your spirit and soul. So people might still ask, why isn't this part of the Bible? I think, at least to me, it's very self-evident. This is all about waking up to what not only you are, but everyone is. It disarms the control the church has over us. It's telling you that you are child of God. You are part of the creator, but so is everyone else. It's not saying there's a hierarchy of humans on this earth that you have to go to them, to said person, to hear your sins, to forgive you of your sins, to absolve you of your sins, to do this, to do that, to consecrate this, to consecrate that. No. Absolutely not. And again, I'm not saying anything against your faith or religion. If it works, and I've always said this and always will, if it's working for you, then bless you. That's awesome. But please, 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 please don't beat somebody up who doesn't believe what you believe. Don't throw stones at them because they don't believe your ideology, your beliefs, your theology, your religion, your church. And this, my dear brothers and sisters, is why the church doesn't want this information out. Because it makes you a free thinker. It makes you awaken. It disarms them. It totally, you know, just destroys everything that they've spent thousands of years to build. And as Father Mike Cantor will tell you, they worked very hard and continued to work very hard over these thousands of years, to keep this going, to keep this misunderstanding, to keep those shackles on you, to keep that control. And it's up to each and every one of you if you want to continue to allow them to control you, or if you want to finally break those chains and stand up and wake up and literally be eternal and immortal, as Jesus said here. So my dear brothers and sisters, I need to shut up and get going because I'll just keep going on this again. Again, uh, be careful what you ask for. If you get me going on this, I, I'll keep going. And this is the tw- only 20 sayings out of 114. If you all want more, all you have to do is ask. If you need further clarification or want further clarification, you want to take my hand, the helping hand to help you awaken all you need to do is ask my contact information is coming up here at the end of the show and it's at the end of every show i'm here for all of you folks and yes we will be covering the gospel of mary which is the gospel of mary magdalene um in a future show as i said i need to wait until everybody runs out of stones and that i heal from my wounds (laughs) then then we'll get into that um in a future show but again Thank you all so very much for being here. Please don't stop. If you made it this far, bless you. Infinite thanks, blessings and love. But please don't turn the show off yet. We have our um, prayer requests and updates in our closing blessings, which is so very important. So stay tuned for that. I so hope and pray you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you're searching for and more here with us stop by anytime all the time you are family if you enjoyed the show please share it with as many people as possible subscribe rate and review and if you really enjoyed the show please consider making an offering offerings are a great way to help sustain and improve the show and the faith and more ministry offerings can be made through patreon at patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash faith and more podcast Next is prayers. I love to pray and our Faith and More family love to pray as well. So let us pray for you. You can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I am also offering healing sessions now that involve angelic, intuitive, and quantum healing. This is done via phone or Zoom. Due to the scope, energy, and time involved in this type of healing, there is a minimum donation required. Please contact me for more information at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please don't forget about our YouTube channel. There's lots of great videos there and it gives you more of an immersive experience. Just go to youtube.com slash at faithandmorepodcast. So until next time, have a most blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and prayers. Bless you.